Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, we got your mailbag questions coming up in just a minute. But first, John Cooper, of course, the Lightning play game two tonight against the Islanders. They trail that series one to nothing. Most important game since they lost game one, I guess, of the Stanley Cup Finals to Dallas. We know how that turned out. John Cooper said they have the recipe, but they didn't follow it. What does that mean, Steve Bersnick? It's a lot like I cook. You know, you just kind of throw <laughs> things together. It doesn't yeah. come out very good. <laughs> I was going to say, I can read a box. I mean, I can read any... You know, these recipes, oh. man, they look terrific, but mine never tastes right. I so I, I can know, I can read the box, but I can't duplicate what they Yeah. So what does that so so does that mean that um that that the coaching was there, they told them the finer points, they knew how the Islanders were gonna play and they didn't stick to their uh stick to their strategy or I guess that's what he means. They they know what the Islanders are about. I, I think they, they got caught up in trying to play trying too many high risk maneuvers or passes mm. and, and that mm. that may have worked in the previous two series or m- worked more often than they will against the Islanders and you know I think you get caught up sometimes in the the flow of the game the emotion of the game and you're trying to do too much and yeah um, you know I just think that screwed you up so I mean yeah. I, it's a lot I mean like I said I, I I can read the recipe all day long and I can't duplicate what they do um, yeah but uh, you know, I also know, and, and you know, I think it's in the last two seasons the Lightning are nine and zero following a playoff loss. Um, they tend to come out the next game and play a very good game. Um, you know, I, I think I think losses for them in the playoffs, and, and they're a mature group, are wake up calls for them because you, mm-hmm. you tend to see them play differently when they the next game. They tend to fix a lot of their mistakes now doesn't guarantee victory and doesn't mean that something won't happen but you know the amount of bad passes and and trying some high risk plays that like i said maybe against the the panthers and the hurricanes it works but against the islanders who are you know we, we talked about last night the stamkos pass that led to the the first goal i mean josh bailey was right there he knew exactly where that pass was going and that play's got to go behind the net from stamkos and and the lightning in the bubble last year were so patient. And if the play's not there, dump it in, play for another day. It's kind of the, it's kind of the Tom Brady way of playing football. You know, right? If, no, it, if it's not there, I'm throwing it away on third down. I'll punt. I'll punt. Right. I'll punt again. Keep punting until mm-hmm. the opportunity is right. I'm right. not going to force it. I, I, you know, if the play's there, I'll go make it. But a, a punt is a good thing in, in in a playoff game in football. You know, you're not turning the ball over and you're you're kicking it 40, 50 yards down the field for the other team to take over. That's right. that's much better than turning it over or throwing an interception or making a bad play. And, you know, the Lightning have to be more patient than they were in game one. It's, you know, you're not going to win the game right away. You don't need to win it 5 nothing either. You know, wait. You know, I mean, the Lightning still, as is, is many mistakes as they made, only gave up two goals. Yeah, they gave up two. One, I thought uh, Vassy typically stops. Okay, mm-hmm. he didn't stop that one. That turned out to be the game winner because they, they did score late with the man advantage. But, um, you know, to, to your point, I mean, the other part of this is, you know, last year in a the bubble, they didn't have fans. It was just hockey, you know. And, and I do I do think there's a lot of pressure. I think there's pressure when you open a series at home. You have home ice. You, you know, your crowd is jacked up. They had the most people they played in front of in a year. Um, I don't know. They're performers. I, I think they want to make great plays and, and great passes and, and you know, um, all of this stuff. And, and, you know, they just got to get back to the formula. It's not it's not sexy. Um, you know, chip it in, get it deep, go get it, get people in front of the net, you know, and just and, and play smart. But you got to give you got to give the Islanders credit, too. I mean, I thought they played really, really well. Um, and, you know, they, they have not played the Islanders and the Islanders haven't played the Lightning either this year. But there is a feeling out process in these things. Now, having said all of this, you know, you mentioned the record they have after losses. Well, guess what? It better go to be 10-0 and 0 because 
This is the biggest game they've played, like I said, since since a year ago when they lost the first game in the Stanley Cup Finals. You don't want to go down 2-0 and then go on the road. Um, or, or, or you know, 2-0 anywhere, really, but especially if you're if you're going on the road after that to New York. So, uh, you know, they they understand the gravity of this game. I mean, you do not – it's almost a must-win. It's a seven-game series. I think most people believe that this series is going to go six or seven games. Um, but, you know, it, it is – you can't minimize how important this is for the Lightning to win this game. No, this is this is. I, I don't say must win because, and we know this in hockey that until you're on the verge yeah, of elimination, four. yeah, it's it's not a must win, right? But do you really want to try to win four out of five? Right, right. With three of those games in New York, mm-hmm. and that that barn gets loud. Yeah, um, the, the great fans there. Do you really want to try to go on the road and win to win, you know, three of the games on the road, but to win four out of five against a team that is structurally sound like the Islanders are? You know, they don't make many mistakes. I mean, you've got to play, you've got to play your game, and you've got to play it well mm-hmm. to score goals against. You're not going to sit there and put five and six goals a night up on them, or even four. No. I'd say you won't occasionally, but right. You know, that is a good team. This is it's not a must win tonight, but. I expect the Lightning to have a much better effort. I expect a lot of those mental turnovers, mistakes to to not happen tonight. Yeah, which means you've got a shot, particularly when you've got Andre Vasilevsky behind you. You know, you could. I mean, and I expect he'll be good too. I, I'm guessing he didn't like that second goal he let in. Right, and although he may, I mean, look to to his credit, and I know you know the the goal is what it is, and it turned out to be the the, the game winner. But to his credit, I mean, he makes some stops early in that game that absolutely should have been in the back of the net and, and you know, keeps them alive mm-hmm. like he always does. That's that's what the best, greatest goaltender in the world does. But, um, you know, he was – I thought he was spectacular early in that game. So if he just plays his game and doesn't allow the, the soft one there at the end, um, you know, they may still be playing, but – um, yeah, I, I mean they'll they'll bounce back. It's just not as easy as saying you know, well, we knew what to do, and we didn't do. It. I mean, that's the thing that always, you know, always kills me about sports. It's like, well, they didn't do anything special. You know, I remember how many games you you say like uh, some team gets just completely blammoed, and it's like, hey, did they do anything? You didn't, and just nope, nope. We everything they did, we practiced, we knew, and, and sometimes it just comes down to their guys outplayed you. They won some battles. They, you know, the, they got some bounces. Um, they're good too, <laughs> you know. I mean, that's the thing. We're we're at the level now. There's only four teams left, right? So, um, and you know, uh, look, the Islanders were one of the final four teams last year too. If you want to know right. how good they are, and they're they're trying to take yep. the extra step. They're trying yep. to get one more step further than they did a year ago. And they've added guys like Zajac and Palmieri, and mm-hmm. now we saw Anders Lee, who we didn't expect to play in this series. He was working out on the ice this morning. Mm. Um, now he was working separate from everyone else and, and that, so I don't think he's ready to come back yet, but the series goes six, seven games. You never know. Wallstrom was participating in practice today and Trot said he might be able to be available for game two tonight. Oh, wow. So, um, although he didn't say he would definitely change the lineup if he's back, but they're starting to get healthy too. Um, you know, as, as to add to their team. So, um, you know, this is going to be a tough series. I mean, you know, anybody who thought it was going to be a sweep, it was never going to be a sweep. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, I, I look. I expect. I expect. I, I mean, I, if if you know, we're not betting people, but if we were, nope. I would. I I thought the Lightning might lose Game One I for knew a lot of different reasons, and I think they'll win Game Two, and then we'll <laughs> yeah. see. We'll see where the series goes from here when it becomes a best of five. That's what I think will happen. Now, you know, we'll let them play it out tonight and find out. Yeah, I, w- I was so certain they were going to lose game one. I regret uh, not being a gambling <laughs> man. But I am not as confident that they're going to win in game two like you are. I-, I would not make that bet because I I don't feel as confident about that one. Did feel pretty confident about my prediction in game one. Hey, Madden 22, the cover is coming out. They're going to announce it at 10 a.m. on June 17th. That's Thursday, I believe. And it's uh, they-, they put out a teaser, and it was two goats. Meh, two goats. So well, one goat and a kid, right? I think it's going to be a goat and a kid, which is a baby goat. Because if I'm not mistaken, we reported this. Uh, they shot mm-hmm. this cover. EA Sports borrowed Carrollwood Day School shortly after the Super Bowl, and they had um, 
both Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady together again in uniform on that field. And there was uh, some very long distance photographs of that. So that has to be what the cover is going to be. Um, I would, I would anticipate, I can't imagine it would be anybody else. So, I mean, you know, look, I, goat kid. Okay. I, I, I would be a little, I think the, I think that first of all, the term goat is thrown around way too much. I mean, it means greatest of all time, not one of the greatest of all times. So, you know, Mahomes could have been the next one had, you know, had he won two in a row and, and at his age, I can see where people would say, well, he, he's the guy that's going to take the mantle from Brady and he could win seven uh, or eight or whatever. But that didn't happen. And in fact, you know what I think about when I think about players like Mahomes and, and, and even Brady to some extent is how fragile legacies are because even with Tom Brady, and he has been the greatest ever, but you know his career could have gone a lot of different ways too. And he could have more Super Bowls or or fewer uh, Super Bowl wins. I mean, you know, he got beat twice by Eli Manning in the New York Giants. One was a David Tyree helmet catch. How often is that going to happen? And I'm not sure that Manning wasn't should have been whistled down before he threw it. Another one's just an absolute perfect throw. One uh, in one of those games also that he lost the second one, I believe, or the one in Indianapolis. Remember, there was a it wasn't a perfect throw, but there was a, there was a drop. Um, on a deep ball that Brady had, so I mean, you know, things things happen, but it's it, it's so it, it's so fragile. Like take Mahomes for example. You know, if Jimmy Garoppolo has a ten point lead in the fourth quarter, can get a first down or two, that game is over. And Patrick Mahomes has has now lost two Super Bowls in a row. How do we feel about him? You know, uh, Garoppolo hits a wide open receiver in the fourth quarter. He went three of eleven. If he hits a wide open receiver streaking down the field. You know, game over, San Francisco wins. So legacies change on a play, like literally on a, a, a given play in a Super Bowl. You know, I mean, Tom Brady was 7-5 and five last year, and then they started putting things together. Um, you know, he played in a horrendous second half in Green Bay. If Aaron Rodgers on third and goal decides to run the ball in and they don't kick a field goal on fourth down, then – Think about how the legacies change there. Aaron Rodgers isn't trying to leave Green Bay. He might have won the Super Bowl. You know, he's not complaining about anything. How can you complain about stuff when you had enough talent and you won the Super Bowl? Tom Brady, they're saying, yeah, yeah, well, that he's he doesn't have it anymore. He couldn't get him over the hump because, you know, you saw that second half blew an 18-point lead Tom Brady did to the Packers. It's one play. It's one play, right? Yeah, sometimes that's all it comes down to. I mean, it's... Yeah. Whole legacies are changed by one play. Absolutely. Or Crazy. one injury. I mean, you know, Drew Bledsoe doesn't get hurt, and does Tom Brady ever you go. get on the field? That's a great point, too. Yeah, we, we, we he may not, you know, uh, Adam Venetieri doesn't make a kick against, I'll tell you what, man, John Gruden. In or the, the tuck rule, if they, they don't call the tuck rule. <laughs> right. John Gruden never comes to Tampa, and they don't win the first Super Bowl because he would still be the coach of the Oakland Raiders. Well, he is now anyway, but he's in Las Vegas. So, yeah, a lot of things can change. And, uh, but anyway, the two goats coming out June 17th. Look for that. So that would be the first time a Buccaneer would ever be on the cover of Madden. I believe you're right. Now, Brady was on the cover in 18. Gronk was, was on open? the cover in 17. Mahomes was on the cover in 20. Okay. So both of those guys have been on the cover before. Right, but no Buccaneers. But I and... went back to like the 0-2. So 0-2 was Marshall Falk, or 0-3 was Marshall Falk. O two was Dante Culpepper, and it comes out the year before the season. So Marshall Falk, after a year, the Bucks won the Super Bowl. It should have been like Warren Sapp or yeah, something. Now, right? but the O three, I think that comes out before the O two season. Oh, that's right. So it would have been O four. So the O four would be Michael Vick was on the cover. <laughs> wow. O <laughs> five okay. was Ray Lewis. O six yeah. was Donovan McNabb. Seven Sean Alexander. Sean Alexander from the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. Eight was Vince Young. Okay. Brett Favre was nine. I'm okay with that. Troy Polamalu and Larry Fitzgerald was two, Madden ten. Drew Super Brees Bowl was eleven. Yeah, Drew Brees was eleven. Peyton Hillis was twelve. The Peyton Hillis one was a shocking one, right? Well, he's the he's the one in the phone call on the video that Madden released teasing That's right. the two goats. He's like they did it again. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Calvin Johnson and Madden thirteen. Barry Sanders. Love it. Old school. For uh, 14, which was Madden NFL 25. I guess it was the 25th anniversary of Madden. Yep. Uh, Richard Sherman was 15. 
Odell Beckham Jr. was 16. Mm-hmm. Gronk, 17. Brady, 18. Antonio Brown, 19. So actually three Buccaneers so in a row. So three Buccaneers have been <laughs> been on the cover. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. Then Mahomes and Lamar Jackson was 21 last year. By the way, they're all going to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame one day, those three guys, and I can't wait to hear the speeches and what they say about their Tampa experience. <laughs> and I expect a trip to Canton because they're Buccaneers. Absolutely. But, but uh, you see where, uh, speaking of that, let me ask you, know, you this So you can go in 2048 when Tom Brady's finally retired for five years. <laughs> yeah, if I outlive his career. Here's the thing. Um, it, it, this is going to happen, I think, this year. So uh, what, Peyton Manning played three seasons, I want to say, in Denver? That sounds about right. that sound right? about right? Three, it might have been four. It might have been four. It, well, we know this. He went to the Super Bowl twice, and he won one of them, right, which basically he was a, a passenger, but the defense was great, and they, they beat Carolina. It was four seasons in Denver, yep. Four seasons. Okay, so he played four seasons, and he went to two Super Bowls, won one. He's going into the Broncos' ring of honor. Well, John Lynch only played like four seasons out there, and he's in their ring of honor too. That's true. Uh, uh, you're right, and he made four Pro Bowls, so that, that's a good point. So what does Tom Brady have to do to go into the Bucks' ring of honor, or is he already there? I think he's I'd go ahead and put the statue out in front of the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> no, the statue is B.A., <laughs> You heard that story, right? When uh, uh, when Jason Light convinced or cajoled or talked or otherwise bribed uh, Bruce Arians to go come to Tampa Bay, he told him that his goal was for them to be successful enough for them to erect a statue of, of Bruce Arians outside Raymond James. Okay. Well, just name it Tom Brady Field at Raymond James Stadium. I mean, you know, there you go. whatever you got to do. <laughs> He's got to go on the building somehow. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty TB12 field, you know, whatever he wants. TB12 field. I like it. <laughs> now you're thinking it's an industry. Yeah. I like it. All right. So we got some mailbag questions today. 100% answered guaranteed or all of your money back. Let's get started. Well, since you, we talked about ring of honors, I'll start with this one. Randall had uh, tweeted us with Bonnie Kiffin going in the Bucks ring of honor. When do the rays or lightning start their own rings or courts of honor and who would be their first three inductees? Wow, what a great question that I had not prepared for. Um, I don't know when they're going to start it. First of all, we got to determine where the Rays are going to play. <laughs> so I don't think you're going to see a ring of honor at the Trop. Let's put it that way. You got lots of rings. You got the A ring, the B ring, the C ring, but not the ring of honor. Um, although they have lots of rings to to put banners on. So that probably isn't going to happen. If I were talking about the the Rays, all-time greatest Rays ring of honor right now, I would go, uh, without question, Evan Longoria. Yeah, he's number one to me for number for top three. Uh, I would go, wow, after that, I'm thinking about pitchers. Um, I think Joe Madden's second. I think Madden is on it, yeah. Yeah, I think he's second. That's a good point. Joe Ma. I'll tell you what, Kevin Cash is making an argument too he, here. He absolutely uh, is. He's, you know, his record is as good or are already better than Joe's. So, what about you know? You've had some pretty good iconic. You've had you know guys like you know Blake Snell or not Blake Snell, uh, David Price. I think it's got to be Price or Shields. Price or Shields. That's what I was thinking. So I would probably go David Price before Shields because even though Shields was terrific and and you know we called him Complete Game James. Uh, it was Price that got the final out in the ALCS, which heretofore until last year was their greatest moment to go to the World Series um, and was a Cy Young Award winner. Um, yeah, just the longevity of it, the franchise and the fact that he was homegrown. I, I think I would go David Price, I think. Yeah. But I, there's, there's others that would get consideration. Sure, sure, but those would be the first three, I think. Those would be the first three. Now, uh, let's talk about the Lightning. Like, there's two that are obvious. Unquestionably, Marty St. Louis and Venny are one and two. Uh, I would say Anderchuk's two. Really? Captain of the first Stanley Cup team? See, I don't look at it that way. I don't think, I mean, I know what you're saying. He was the captain and he's got the statue outside Emily yeah. Arena. But at, I just don't, to me, I don't, maybe they don't win it without him. I'm not, I'm not yeah. discounting what he did. Yeah, but I, but I, but he played so long in the NHL for so. I know we just talked about Tom Brady going into Bucks Ring of Honor, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm not saying he doesn't belong yeah. there. I, I, I would just think I would think Lecavier, St. Louis, and Stamkos yeah. before I would think of anybody else. Personally, I think Hedman's got to be in that list too. I mean, he's been Hedman, one one year less uh, than Stammer. Wouldn't argue with that at all. Would not. And then I think ultimately Vazzy's going to be the greatest. Vazzy's going to be the greatest player they ever had. Yeah, I think so too. But then Espo needs to be in there too. 
Ask Bo if you're going to ownership. Yeah, ownership, absolutely. general manager. I mean, everything. He, I mean, he, he was a lot of hats for this team. John Cooper wins that. What about Torts? Torts and Coop. What Iserman? <laughs> okay, we, he said three. <laughs> we got twenty-three. Why don't? By the way, they you know they don't have the Ring of Honor in Emily. What they do there is they retire numbers. They've retired right? that, two numbers now. So far, they've yeah. done Marty and Vinny. Right. So to me, that's that is the Ring of Honor. You know what I'm saying? When they retire, yeah, your and number, the race have, have retired band. numbers. I mean, they retired uh, Wade Boggs and Don Zimmer. Yeah, but I don't. I mean, do you consider that, or is that a de facto Ring of Honor? Is that the same thing in a way? Or well, I mean, it's they've done two, just like the Lightning have. Right. And of course, Mario Rivera's retired across baseball. Right. I don't know if it's a called a Ring of Honor, but no, it's just we retired their numbers, and you know. I mean, I, I think Evan Longoria's will be retired once he retires. I would agree. Right. He's got to play in a World Series first with the Giants. Jeez. Yeah, they're a good. Where'd that come? Year. Where'd that come from? <laughs> Holy cow! I didn't see that one. Good for them. Um, yeah, that's a great question. I like. I like the question. There's. There's our answers. We got about twenty of them for each team. But uh, <laughs> so we didn't really answer them. But you know, no. Well, we kind of <laughs> said which which would be our one. My one, two, and three would probably be uh, for the Lightning. Would probably be Le Cavier, St. Louis, and I would go. I would probably go. Stamp Coast, although I could, boy, I could see Hedman as as a three A three B type situation. Yeah, I, I think I think you know Hedman's four right now. If you're going to put in the Ring of Honor, yeah. If nothing else, Stamp Coast has been the captain and has been there a year mm-hmm. longer as well. Yeah, so that makes sense. All right, great questions. What do we got next? All right, well, uh, let's see. Let's get. We'll, we'll stay with the race. We've been talking some baseball here. Adam asks, "When is the last time the Rays have played on Sunday Night Baseball?" Quick check on the remaining schedule shows none this season. Does MLB do flex scheduling similar to the NFL, and should they? I I think they do. I I'm, I could be wrong about that. I, they, I wouldn't think they do some flexing later in the season, uh, particularly around playoff games and things like that. Yes, it's mm-hmm. not as I don't think it's as it's not as discussed or pronounced as the NFLs. But yes, they will do some changing around of games later in the season. Yes. Yeah, and it, that that's probably not as difficult since broadcasts are every night in these stadiums to some degree by somebody um, they're already prepared for that. And so I did uh, a little prep. You looked work it up, right? Well, you, you, I, I think I found it. Okay. So I reached out to both Mark Topkin and Neil Solons, and neither knew the answer, which, which sho- shows you how long it's been since the Rays have been on Sunday right? Night Baseball. <laughs> I mean, you would think that one of those guys would remember. Uh, Mark Topkin brought up a Boston game. He said. Something like 2011 to 13-ish against Boston that went to extra innings. Okay. Uh, Neil thought – Neil said – somebody said Dodgers in 16. They actually played hmm. a Sunday night game against the Dodgers, but it was in 13. Oh, wow. But the most recent I could find was July 6th of 2014 at Detroit. At Detroit? So, so we're wow. talking seven years ago now since the Rays have been on Sunday. That's the, it's possible I missed one, but I was trying to go through and, and look. There's not – there's not like a resource online that says here's every Sunday night baseball. So yeah, right. Um, but se- so and so I sent that back to Neil, and he says so not since Cash has become manager. Whoa, they have not been on Sunday night baseball with Cash as manager, as far as anybody knows. Wow, as, as, as far if, if my research is correct. Wow. Okay, and that begs the question: and, Why not? And by the way, the Yankees are scheduled for three more Sunday night baseball games this year, and they're a game above five hundred. And Wolf, somebody else complained about that, and I don't know if it was the same guy that asked us the question. I saw on Twitter they're like, "Hey, uh, anybody interested in the best team in the American League on Sunday night?" I don't know if it was the same guy, but I saw it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And you know why? Why? Oh, he was complaining. He says like, "Why the Cubs and the Cardinals? For gosh sakes, you know, like blah 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 blah." Here's here's what you have to remember, folks. You know, they're in the business of television. And the business of television, even though the ratings here locally are through the roof, I mean, no matter, forget who's going to the games, everybody's watching them here in Tampa Bay. In Tampa Bay, okay? But their job at the network level is to get as many eyeballs as they can on their products that they're selling so they can recoup, you know, and charge these exorbitant rights fees to their advertisers. So they need ratings. And the best way to get ratings is to go to the bigger markets. I mean, you're in New York, you're in Chicago, L.A. Not a surprise that that's where the most, you know, the the, the bigger media markets are. And that's why you see 
uh, teams from the Northeast, uh, L.A., Chicago. Um, I, you know, St. Louis has an unbelievable following. They draw 3 million fans a year. Um, all of the Midwest follows St. Louis Cardinals. It's not just a Missouri team. So I, I, I get it. I think you have to remember that this is a business. And no matter what you say about Tampa Bay, and they may be, they've been great for a long time and they're the best team in the American League or baseball, they they just don't have enough national appeal for whatever reason. There's well, not a bunch of stars. There's not a lot of star power. You don't have the Fernando yeah. Tatises. You don't have right. Giancarlo Stanton's and judges or and Mookie yeah. Betts or you know name the Shohei Atani and mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Exactly. You know, so you exactly. don't you don't have that coupled with a team that doesn't have a fan base spread out throughout the country. Mm-hmm. Good point. And you know, I mean, ESPN pays hundreds of millions of dollars a year to carry baseball. They yep. want the highest ratings. Absolutely. They're not concerned about equity Fairness. or who's the best team. It's who's right. gonna you know, gonna watch the the most games. How many people are gonna watch? Mm-hmm. That's all they care about. How many eyeballs can I attract to my product on this night? And the Yankees could, you know, could be you know, won three out of their last twelve and it doesn't matter because there's still Yankee fans everywhere. You know. And it's not that much different, by the way. I mean a little bit different, but not too much different um when it comes to football, quite frankly. I mean, you have some iconic franchises. I think it's a little more equitable just because the NFL is followed, you know, so intently by everybody. But, you know, you have some of the iconic franchises like Green Bay is not a big media market, needless to say, but it, it's a legacy team. But Green Bay is also only on those games when they have quarterbacks like Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers. Or Aaron Rodgers, right. You know, I mean, if, if they just had Don Mitch Mikowski. Trubisky as their quarterback – or Don yeah. Mikowski, they're not going to be scheduling them for that. That's I mean, correct. Looking you know, for stars, looking for... Green Bay's like a team that's got fans everywhere, but without the star, particularly at that quarterback position. You know, without Green Bay's Bart been star. lucky to yeah. have lots of them in their history. Yep. From Bart Starr to Brett Favre to, sure. to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that, that mm-hmm. definitely helps, too. So, I mean, you know, the Bucks are now on, you know, on primetime five times this year because Tom Brady's their quarterback. That's right. You know, that star appeal is a big part of it. Absolutely, and Tom Brady had Tom Brady not played twenty seasons and won six Super Bowls before he got here, and had such a huge following in the in the Boston in the Northeast. If you don't think you know he has eyeballs from all over the globe or all over the world because of what he's done, it, just look at look at the ratings and look at you know we see it in our subscriptions. We see people from the the state of Massachusetts, uh, you know, which I said poorly. Um, they they subscribe to our paper just to follow Tom Brady. You know, it's unprecedented that you would get that many subscribers from a small town in the Northeast, you know, whatever that is, and name name the city in, you know, uh, in Rhode Island. Like, um, but that's that's the sort of star power he has now and because of all that he's accomplished. So, yeah, he's made he's put him on the map, and that happens in football, maybe more so in football than in, than in, uh, in baseball. All right, Carl asks, with the Rays atop the standings and barring a collapse by the All-Star break, how many Rays will actually be named to the All-Star team, and how many should be? Glasnow, Zanino, no one really stands out, but we still win. Epitome of teamwork. It is. And that, that's how the Rays win. They beat you with their 40-man roster. Um, I, I think, would say I think those two names are going to be All-Stars. I agree. I think Zanino will be. I, I think uh, Glasnow will be for sure. I think Rich Hill could be. Rich Hill has a great argument for it. And I think Austin Meadows, who's second in either the American League or baseball in RBIs. RBIs, yeah. He's really caught fire. Um, And he's a former All-Star, which helps him. mm -hmm. I think they can get four. I don't know know anybody else that would make the team. Kevin Cash is a manager. Yes. Which helps because he gets to name the pitchers, right? Uh, And the backups, too, I believe. Right. So that that might get one or two more there Mm -hmm. when it comes down to it. But yeah, I mean, I, those four I think should be all stars. Um, what about Randy Orozarena? I think he's had a good year. I don't know if he's all star. I'd have to look at the other outfielders, but I don't. He's got the most hits on the team. Yeah, he does. Um, batting leadoff helps that. I mean, you know, his average is decent. Um, World Series hero. But it's you know, well, I mean, post, if you're going off the postseason last year, absolutely. Hero. But um, looking at yeah. you know this season and comparing to others, I mean, you know. You're going to have to be someone that's you know leading the majors or the American League in a category. And like I said, Austin Meadows second in RBIs um, is why he could get considered. Um, you know, he's been hot, but it's also he's you know driving and runs and producing, and he's near the top of a category in Major League Baseball or the American League. So, 
Zanino's, right. you know, if not the top home run hitting catcher in baseball, he's right up there now. He was at one point. I haven't looked if someone's passed him, but right. You know, and Glass now has been pitching well, and Rich Hill was a pitcher of the month in May, and and despite yep. his last outing where he gave up four, he's been pitching really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. I'll say I like your four. I think that's good. All right, Billy had uh, emailed, and we actually got kind of got two questions about the same player, so I'll kind of combine them here. He said he was talking to a buddy about Brendan Lau and trying to figure out if Wander Franco was going to eventually take his spot at second. And then Lau goes five for 11, four RBIs, and only three Ks over the weekend. He says, I know it was hapless Orioles, but do you see him turning a corner? It's going to be hard to raise that batting average, but if he can improve, he's a huge asset, as last season showed. We're considering Franco's arrival a fait accompli, We'll have to take someone else's spot eventually. And then Go Snarf had asked if the Rays had to do the 2018 San Diego trade over again, would they have moved Brendan Lau instead of Jake Cronenworth? It seems like Cronenworth is a little more consistent at the plate. Wow, I don't. You you can probably speak to the second question better than I could because I'm not a I'm not an expert on uh, Cronenworth. But look, I don't think the Rays regret giving Brandon Lau the money, and I think they think. He's going to get out of it now, you know. <laughs> he's he's really struck out way too much, and he's completely struggled against left-handers in particular. Yeah, he has had you know a good homestand, and and it was the Orioles who everybody seems to you know beat up on, including Randy Arozarena, who's just destroyed them. Um, you know. It's, this carried over from the postseason. I mean, before that, Brandon Lau was a big reason why they were there. And I've seen him get hot, and I've seen him stay hot for a month. And I'm not, I would not be willing to, to, to depart with Brandon Lau. And, and look, as far as, as far as Wander Franco coming up, he's going to come up when he comes up. I mean, remember now, Wander Franco has the same ability a lot of these guys do. He's not just a second baseman or just a third baseman or just a shortstop. You know, these guys bounce around like Wendell, uh, like all of them, right? Yandy Diaz, I mean, you name it, all these guys play so many positions. So it won't be one in, one out. If anybody, it would probably be, uh, I would think, Brasso that's that's on thin ice here. Um, well, I, I, of- I think Brendan Lott last season hit lefties really well. Which is, you know, the problem that you have with Brendan Lau right now is, is he's not hitting at a level you can make him an everyday player because he can't hit lefties right now. Right. And so what you really need is Mike Brasso to step up to go in against lefties, except he's struggling this year. Exactly. So now, you know, you know because Brendan Lau's defense is good enough. And, and that's, you know, one of the reasons that Brendan Lau is going to stay, for now at least, is, is that he plays really good defense. Mm-hmm. But you'd almost like to platoon him at this point. The but, way he's but, swinging the bat now. Right, yeah. right. But the way he's swinging the bat. But Brasso isn't hitting well enough to do that. Right. And so now you're stuck at that point. Is, is right. you know, now could you call up a kid? Sure. But are you willing to give up on these guys? I mean, because, you know, if you call up Vidal Brujan or Wander Franco or who would name the kid that's coming up, you don't want them to be platooning. You want them playing every day or, you know, three out of every four games. Mm-hmm. So, like they did with Hall when they brought yeah, Hall up. Yeah, Walls, Walls. You mean or Walls? I'm sorry. Why do I call yeah. him Hall all the time? Walls. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why that's stuck in my head, but it is. So, you know. So, are you willing to sit Brendan Lau for you know five out of six games a week or no. four out of six? And and no. I don't think they're at that point yet with him. No. They would love to platoon him. I think at this point with the way he's playing. But I, right. I mean, all well, the, uh, you got to decide whether you think he can come out of it or not. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe he can just not – I mean, he did it. See, my thing is if you hit left-handers one time throughout your career, you can do it again. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he's struggling so badly. I mean, it makes sense he's left-handed, but he he has shown – he did have one hell of a year and show that he could do it. Now you just got to get him back right again. I, I don't know what's going – it just seems like the guy puts a lot of pressure on himself, mm-hmm. loses where the strike zone is. What I see him – you know, when hitters aren't going well, if you notice – Steve, you know this. They get themselves out. The, the pitchers mm-hmm. aren't getting them out. They they can't organize their strike zone to where it's very simple. You swing at bad pitches and you take balls over the plate. And there's no explanation for that other than you're pressing. And until you get confident enough to know what the strike zone is and you, you stop getting yourself out, that that's just kind of what I watch and I see when he hits. 
And and I think that they believe he can he can come out of it. But well, and he mentioned the other day that he's been working with Chad Matola and they tweak something in his swing. Right. And okay. then he went out and hit a home run off a lefty. That always helps. So, you know, <laughs> whether they actually found something and tweaked Doesn't something matter. or he Doesn't matter. He he but, it, well, but we'll see we'll see if this carries over. I mean, yeah. you know, so he hit one, was it is right. it really something's is changing it a fluke in, or did he run confidence into one? Yeah. or you know, did a blind squirrel find a nut once in a while? Exactly. I mean, exactly. You know, time will tell on that, but if yeah. if he's been working with Matola and you hope they found something and are tweaking something that's going to uh, you know, help fix that and allow him to hit better against lefties, then, you know, look, the talent's there for him. But, yeah, his strike zone's a mess this year. And, and he hasn't been able to figure it out particularly against the lefties. So, A more vulnerable guy on that roster, though, is Mike Brasso, of yes. all of them, yes. I, I believe. But, but, like, you know, the hardest part is whether, like, whatever kid you want to bring up. And they have brought Kevin Padlow up a couple times where he's played sparingly. But if right. you're bringing Bruhan or Franco up, those are the two probably biggest infielders they have. You're not bringing them up to to sit the bench in, in platoon or, you know, come in, you know, start one every three games. They're going to be starting three out of four. And right. so at that point, you've got to be willing to take Joey Wendell, Yandy Diaz, Brendan Lau, someone out of the lineup to do that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're at that point yet, particularly with the way the team is playing at this point and rolling. Sure, sure. That's the other. Yeah, you're hesitant to do that. You know, Although they, they did they did make the trade with Willie Adamas, but, you know. Well, but they were ready to put Taylor Walls in every day. Yeah, I mean, right. they, they looked at the way Willie was hitting and mm-hmm. said, Taylor Walls is just as good defensively in their mind. Right. And better defensively, yeah. Maybe, maybe they think better, but at least just as good. And yeah. we think he can hit at least what Willie was hitting 190. Sure. And we're ready to, we're ready to put him in there every day. Um, you know, one of the issues that Franco has is that he's not nearly as good defensively as a lot of these other infielders. Let's say he's Mm -hmm. poor, but he's not an above average exceptional fielder like they think Taylor Walls is or Joey Mm -hmm. Wendell has been or Brendan Lau. You know, so if you're bringing him in the lineup, you are going to sacrifice some defense. Now, like I said, he's not he's not a poor defender but he's not nearly at the level of of Taylor Walls or some of these other guys. So that's mm-hmm. those are the things they have to weigh in when it when it comes to making those decisions and when your team's rolling you hesitate a little less and you know and they traded Adamas not only did to bring up Taylor Walls but it was because they got two good pitchers back that they need they needed some help in the back of the bullpen mm-hmm. with Nick Anderson still out, Chaz Rose still out. Diego Castillo had struggled a little bit. You know, so getting JP Fireisen and then Drew Rasmussen who's down in Durham you know, it it wasn't just for Taylor Walls. It was because they, they got some good pitching they needed, too. Yeah, that was all good points. Brian asked, is spider tax specifically the problem or all other foreign substances? It is deserved that Cole has become the poster child for using gob or goob or whatever you want to call it after he ran from Houston after the cheating scandal. Well, it seems like, no pun intended, uh, the cheating scandal has stuck to all of those former Houston Astros players, um, like Spider Tech. But Spider Tech seems to be, uh, you know, sort of, uh, sort of the name that everyone's throwing around. And and I mean, you know, guys have used pine tars. They, they, some guys, um, I was listening to a podcast or, or somebody uh, interviewed about this that that you know there are guys that create their own formula that sometimes you know cook it <laughs> and and uh you know mix coca-cola with you know this or that and 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 you know uh they come up with their own concoction but i think i think the spider tech which uh is used among other things for like weightlifters and stuff like that i think that's that's the one that's clear and that um seems to be uh making its rounds around baseball now and as far as cole go i mean that was just you know such a bad interview and, and so so many bad non-answers there that uh, um, that that interview will be you know it's not quite Rafael Palmero uh, he didn't go the I have never used well, steroids he you know, also he wasn't in front of that. Congress yeah true <laughs> which which Rafi lied by the way was are you allowed to lie in Congress he should be in jail he should the man should be in jail um, but. Uh, you know, it sure was a bad look, and so I, we don't know. Who, it's, it's the old steroid thing. We don't know who's using it. We know some people that, you know, you suspect may be using it. I'm but, glad um, to see I baseball's see, cracking down on this. I'd be curious how they're going to do it and enforce it. And 
you know, well, I, mean, I think what what they said they were going to do is, and I don't know if they've actually done it, but they said that they were going to make several several random checks per game. You know what I mean? And I don't know if the umpires have begun that process. And I haven't seen a guy walk to the mound between innings. We don't always see what's going on, but it, just the threat of hey, we've we've told our umpires just to do random checks of the pitchers to see if they're using any sticky stuff, and if we find it, you're in trouble. Sometimes that's enough of a deterrent, not for everybody, but for some. You know, to say, you know what, I'm not, I don't, while, while, while the antenna is up, let's just let it simmer down a bit. And then. Well, some you know, of the biggest pitchers in the games in the last start or two since, or appearance mm-hmm. or two since they're one, it seems like their RPM on their balls, the revolutions per minute, is down. It is down. And now, in fact, I saw a stat that said this past week, batting averages climbed, home runs were up. It's you know I don't think it's a coincidence I really don't I, I mean something was going on with and I know they deaden the baseballs I've seen a lot of balls that I thought just based on the swings uh, and the, and sort of the exit below would have been way out way out of the ballpark and they're getting caught at the warning tracks but I think I think that contributed to it but there's there is there was clearly something you know you you, you watch these this game long enough and you just you just you know I mean, baseball sort of vacillates they go back well we got too many home runs. Now we need we need more action. We need more defense. So we can we just get dead in the ball. Now we have too many strikeouts. And what, are you on the runs. Pete Alonso uh, well, conspiracy I mean, theories now that it changes based on who the free agents are that year? I don't think it's the free agents. I just think it's the game trying to to manage the game. You know, I mean, look, football changed the rules. We're not going back to you know the '85 Bears. I mean, you're not going to be allowed to hit quarterbacks. You can't hit receivers. Mm-hmm. We want points. They just decided we want points, and boy, they're getting it. You know, every receiver is open. It's a seven-on-seven game. Uh, and so, you know, it's become basketball on grass. Baseball is trying to do the same thing. They're trying – you know, they haven't gotten to the point where they're saying nobody can can use a shift. You know, that's coming, right? That discussion is already being being had. Um, you know, they, the, the analytics have certainly affected this game. So has the approach to where, you know, teams and hitters believe that strikeouts are not a bad thing. Striking out was the most embarrassing thing you could do in all of sport. I hated – there was nothing – I if I didn't worry about striking out, my whole life would have been different. Because, <laughs> um, you know, whether that was with girlfriends or anything else, you know, when I struck out, I it was embarrassing. You went and down so swinging? I went down swinging. Well, sometimes not swinging. Sometimes I just stood there and watched. I was talking about um, when you girls out. I mean, Me too. Uh, <laughs> there, there she goes with this other guy. I just stood there. Um, I didn't always go down swinging. I went down swinging one time. The guy broke my nose, so that that might have been the last time. But it, it just, you know, it, it 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 is not a thing anymore. It's not it's not as frowned upon. And um, so you know that the approaches, you know, the uh, I think velocity, exit velocity, spin. I mean, so much. You were reading a bunch of stats. We didn't even know what they stood for a minute ago, and before we came on the podcast. Yeah, I, so I, sabermetrics. I, I was doing a comparison between Cronenworth and Brendan Lau because of the question that Ghost Narf had asked. And I started, let's see, let's WPA, WPA plus, WPA minus, ALI, WPA slash LI, clutch, CWPA, CWPA plus, CWPA minus. I'm like, what is this stuff? It's alphabet <laughs> soup. I have no idea what any of that. I know what war is, okay? They, they finally, I finally figured out what wins against replacement means. I don't know what this other stuff means. Yeah, well, then you got, but then you got O war and D war, and you got all kinds of stuff. I mean, you, there's not just war anymore. <laughs> then you've got RAR. Which is runs above replacement, and you've got D O A O R A R, and yeah, I mean it's it's you know I, I know a little bit of analytics. I don't know any of this stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's gone beyond the it's, it's beyond the uh, the uh, introductory level from um, you know that that movie uh, with Brad Pitt and the Oakland A's, whatever that was called, uh, Moneyball. Moneyball. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, they've gone beyond just Bill James's book. Yes, absolutely. Right. I'm past that, so I don't understand it, but <laughs> it's a great question. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
All right, we'll switch to uh, some football stuff. We've got a few questions here. So Michael had asked, we don't really know what was wrong with Brady's knee. If he had surgery, clearly it was a problem he was dealing with. What if post-surgery he's better now? Well, it's a great question, and he, he claims, at least, that this was an injury that he had going back to last April or May. He wasn't even playing for the Bucks yet. He was out at Berkeley Prep. Uh, and what he says is just that. He says, look, I, I spent a lot of time during the season um, trying to deal with this injury because I knew that ultimately I would need surgery, and it was more about, you know, maintaining it so that I could go out and play and play at the highest level with the injury. And so he said that, you know, he wasn't able to work on other things. Now, the biggest question is, well, what other things would Tom Brady be working on exactly? Uh, it's not like he's going to, you know, he was running a 5.84, now he's going to run a 5.75. I mean, it's not like, you know, he's suddenly become this great mobile quarterback. But in as much as he can uh, use that time to, uh, whether it's, I don't know if it's film work or reps or, um, you know, getting into the offense. I, I don't know what he's talking about per se, but he's not going to be spending time rehabbing his knee as much. And I think from a physical standpoint, he feels like he can move around a little bit better, uh, that he won't be as limited. So, you know, perhaps, perhaps you see a few more things outside, not outside the pocket, but just his mobility within the pocket. Um, maybe he can hold the ball a little longer. Maybe he can escape the rush a little bit better. I don't know. I know that the the last couple years, anyway, when when Tom Brady and, and Tristan Wirfs talked about this in a story I wrote for the Tampa Bay Times. It's going to be uh, in in the paper on Wednesday. You can probably read it online on TampaBay.com. That Wirfs basically told his tackles, he says, "Look, I got two things: don't get beat, don't get beat quick, and don't get beat inside. If you just if you just remember those two things, I'll be fine." Because he can see. You know, uh, if, if a guy's winning off the edge, but you know, it's very, it's too, it's too fast if you get if you get beat inside. I just think, I, I think it is scary. I think Tom has said it. I think, I think he believes that. Look, you know, I, I was still reading plays off a, off a wristband in the Super Bowl. Like I, you know, I, I hadn't even met these guys. I still haven't spent much time with them. Um, you know, they were teaching me the offense at Berkeley Prep. You've gone through a whole season and won a Super Bowl, right? So how much confidence is that instilled? Now he says it's about the body language. It's about reading guys' hips and 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 shoulder turns and you know uh, the the uh, the nonverbal cues that you only get just through playing together. And you know, so the more time they spend time on task, and if Brady's not spending that time with Alex Guerrero or whomever trying to get his knee good enough to get, let him go practice, then I think he'll find you know, time to, to be more productive with whatever that is. So, yeah, I, I do think that, it, it, it you know, he's going to be – he's not younger. You can't beat father time, but he has so far. He's kicked his butt, and his arm looks live. He moved around pretty well in the mandatory minicamp. He says from this point forward, it's about working on other parts of his game or, or just making the offense better. So I'm going to take him at his word. I, th- I think that that knee was an issue. Now, here's the interesting thing. He never appeared on an injury report. I went round and round with the Bucks about that one, and I know Florio is leading the band uh, at Pro Football Talk about it. Um, but he did miss game. You know, he did miss practices, and they never said why. I mean, it, you know, they said, "Well, it was a maintenance day," but maintenance on what? You know, when when JPP missed a practice, he was down as a knee problem because he had had surgery before the season. So we never saw that with Tom. But um, you know, so I mean, those injury reports are somewhat farcical at times, anyway. But yeah, I do. I do think he he believes that he will be better and look out NFL if he is. All right, Cameron wrote us and said, with Aaron Rodgers wanting out and Drew Brees out of the league, the NFC is looking favorable for the Bucks' chances to get back to the Super Bowl. What teams are truly a threat in the NFC outside of the LA Rams? Also, which NFC team would be your dark pick, dark horse pick, to overperform expectations and challenge the Super Bowl champs this year? All right. Well, I'm going to go. Uh... Since he didn't say, you know, Aaron Rodgers is up in the air. Obviously, if he plays, the Packers, I think, are still uh, maybe their biggest, uh, you know, biggest hurdle they have to overcome if, if Aaron Rodgers is back. If he's not, if it's Jordan Love, eh, you know, you, you shouldn't have that problem. I don't even know if they'll win the NFC uh, North. But um, let's assume Rodgers plays. I, you know, the, that's a team that's gone 13-3 and the last two years. And like I said, was one, you know, third down and goal decision away from maybe taking the Bucks out in the NFC Championship game. I think the Seahawks are going to be better. 
Um, Russell Wilson stayed there. They got him some help on the offensive line. It's a tough division. I mean, San Francisco's likely to come back again, and, and, and that's another team I think you have to watch if they win that division. I think that's going to be a hell of a division, right? I still got the Rams. I agree with the with the question that you know you'd have to put the Rams right at the top or near the top of of who the NFC teams would be. I think the Bears. It, it to me, it's possible that Justin Fields could light that team on fire. Um, I still think he's going to be the quarterback. I, I'm I'm not buying. Uh, they're going with a red rocket, maybe from day one. But I, I still think Fields uh, could be as good as you know Deshaun Watson and, and some of those guys were coming out. Um, here's one that uh, I would say watch out for. The New Orleans Saints. Are we just going to give the Bucks the division, really, when they've lost it four years in a row? I know they won the Super Bowl. You know what they didn't do? They didn't beat New Orleans till the playoffs, and Drew Brees was, you know, throwing like I do. Um, he was done. He was cooked. His arm was done. And he had other injuries that we know about now as well. Folks, Jameis Winston could get that job. And, and Taysom Hill is still going to be on that football team. Last time I checked, they have a really good defense. And they have a great coach. And he's gone like 8-1 and one without Drew Brees at quarterback the last two years. And that includes wins over the Bucks twice. So, I, look, I, I'm, I'm probably the last guy to, to predict that, you know, Jameis is going to catch fire and all of a sudden, you know, they're going to ride him to the Super Bowl. Because I still think with him it's about, you know, decision-making and understanding where he fits in the game. Now, he, he talks a good game. He says that sitting on the sidelines watching Breeze manage the game, that he understands now that his job is to not screw up, you know, things and, and to, um, you know, whether it's punt, live to play another day. You know, he, he always felt like, well, i got to make this play or we lose. No, it's just if you try to make that play, we're going to lose. And I think he's, he's having that point driven home. But he's still the guy with the ball, and he has to make those quick decisions. Let's see if he can do it. But he has he has all the arm strength in the world. He has all the desire in the world, uh, and he certainly has plenty of weapons around him. I think they're going to have a tough time beating the Saints in the division. I do. I don't. I don't think the Saints are going away. I think I think that Sean Payton is going to enjoy uh, opening up their offense because he's got a guy who can throw the ball down the field again, you know. And he's still got Taysom Hill if that doesn't work, and or Taysom Hill as a fullback, tight end, wide receiver, whatever. So, to me. I like. I mean, don't forget about the Saints. That's what I would say. Yeah, I have two others I'll, I'll put in there, and I'm curious how Dallas does with a healthy Dak Prescott. Although I don't know if they have enough pieces yet, but I think they can be. I think they can exceed some expectations. They got weapons, but it's yeah. the defense. I don't know. They That's did what enough. I mean. That's what yeah. I mean. But but could they exceed expectations? Particularly if that offense is really good. Yes. I really believe. Uh, another dark horse in, in this division is loaded. Is the Cardinals? I think. Mm-hmm. I think another year for mm-hmm. Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. They added A.J. Green as a weapon, as a receiver. They got Malcolm Butler, a cornerback. They added J.J. Watt on defense. And while I don't expect him to be the defensive player of the year, I think he adds a lot of energy and character and some veteran presence. You know, think some of what J.P.P. and Indomitian Sue have done on the Bucs defensive line and help some of the young guys like Vita Vey and others come along and mature and help. So I I think it's a tough division because I think the Seahawks are going to be good. I think the 49ers, you know, are going to be better than they were. I'd uh, be curious whether Garoppolo or Lance starts at quarterback, you know, particularly halfway through the season where they're at. And, and the Rams, I think, are the best team in the division. So, But I, I think the Cardinals are one that can challenge, too. And James Conner is the, for running back depth they signed, too, don't forget, in Arizona. So that, that NFC West, I mean, I think every team there got better this year. And, that, I mean, it yeah. was already a tough division. So I mean, it's that, crazy. That, the hard part is, is, you know, they may all beat each other up. They might. And that means that there won't be maybe a wild card coming out of there like you would anticipate because they could all have, you know, ten and ten and seven, nine and whatever. I guess that would be nine and nine and eight. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say we have, to, have we have to recalculate everything. Woo, Seventeen games really is gonna be <laughs> difficult for me, man. I don't get it. But yeah, that's gonna be a hell of a division. But I like the cart look, Kyler Murray to me is a superstar already. Mm-hmm. I, I think the guy is I watched him play. He's as accurate as you can be. He absolutely can rip you with his mobility. And all he needs is guys around him to get the job done. And another year in that system, uh, he's, ready to, he's ready to break out. He really is. He's phenomenal. All right, we'll end on this. And John had written us and said, Has any city or area in the history of American sports ever gotten such a treasure trove of great teams all at once like Tampa Bay has? Two straight years of championship-level play, no less. Are you almost ready to retire the phrase, 
Tampa Bay can't have nice things. I'm not ready to retire the phrase Tampa Bay can't have nice things um, because I see the glass half empty. Um, also, let's remember, they won these championships during a pandemic, which may not mean anything to you, but what it means to me is, of course they did. You know, when when no one could see them play. Their hockey team lifted a Stanley Cup in an empty arena, okay? Somewhere, where was it? Where did they play that Edmonton. Thing? Edmonton. Edmonton. Not even in the country. Not even in the United States. They lifted it in Edmonton, and nobody was there to see it. They played the World Series in Dallas, in, in the Fort Worth area, in the, in the uh, Ranger Stadium, okay? A few people were able to go. Um, the Super Bowl... Oh, they have twenty thousand, mostly healthcare. Some healthcare workers, uh, a lot of probably executives, and some front from uh, you know, and a few fans. Mostly cardboard cutouts is what they had at that stadium. They they won a Super Bowl, the only team to win in their home stadium without fans in their home stadium. And they had a few, but not like it would have been. So yeah, I'm sorry if if you think that we can have nice things because those aren't nice things. Those are really good things. They would have been nice. Like you would say, it would have been nice if fans had been at those games, you know, to, to celebrate, I don't know, world championships. That would have been nice. So, sorry. And as far as the teams go, didn't Boston have the Triple Crown or all four at one point? Didn't they hold no, the – No, they've had they, two. They've had two at a time. Okay. Because the Patriots won their share. I know the Bruins did, and I know the Red Sox did. Yeah, I think they had the Patriots and Red Sox, and the Bruins, like, went to the final and lost and – you know, I mean, they've had they've they've had I mean a good run. Boston's had a pretty good run over the last twenty years, to be honest. That's what I think. Um, I think Boston would be. I mean, there was a time in my life when the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Pirates were both mm-hmm. champions. Yes. I think. Yep. Yeah, I mean, there's you been know? teams that have had two, but uh, you know, right now the Rays, you know, the Tampa Bay's got three teams that are at elite levels. Yeah. In, in the three major sports here, and the Rowdies are you know, right last there. year were in the championship. I mean, in the USL, and this year they're one of the top teams in the USL again. Yeah. USF baseball goes to the super regional for the first time ever. Phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, it's Champa Bay. I'm not I think the, the greatest for who I hope somebody got paid for that phrase because it's Champa Bay. And I and I would continue to say that these are rare times we live in, folks. You are not gonna see this very often. You're just not. And uh if ever again, but uh, maybe in my lifetime, you know, remember in Chicago, they went 100 years without the Cubs winning a, a, a World Series. And, you know, it, it's just there are generations of fans of teams that never get to see this stuff. And we're, we're watching it all happen at the same time. It's crazy, you know. That's crazy. But let me see it with fans. Like, we're right there, right? The, the, the Lightning had, what, about close to 15,000 in Emily Arena? Yeah, they, they said they were going to open up to 14.8. I think it was close to that number on – for game one, I assume it's about the same number for game two tonight. So I, so that's while well, that uh, holds like nineteen or se- I don't yeah, know. It's what like seventy eight percent, I think, is the yeah. So, so while that's not a hundred percent, I'm going to say okay. Well, that that counts, right? I mean, that's a full stadium. I mean, you can't, you know, it's hard to detect the seats that aren't being occupied. So that to me, that counts. Um, the Rays are back to twenty thousand, I think, at this point. That's more than knows? enough. Yeah, right, exactly. Well, as it turns out, yeah, it's about eleven thousand more than they need. Uh, they had nine thousand in there the other day, but but by the time they get to the postseason, assuming they're in it, and they should be, uh, that building will be rocking. So that that counts, and I, I can promise you this: it hasn't been announced, but it'll be full. You know, the the NFL is going to have full stadiums. They're going to have USF's already announced they're going to be full at Raymond James. There's no reason. Yeah, the Bucks so so it's going to be sixty five thousand or so, uh, whatever it holds, screaming fans for Tom Brady. Now you win it that in that environment. Now we can have nice things, but it's tough to go back to back. No one's done it for 16 years. You know, there's just a lot on the table here uh, to try to repeat. But I will say uh, the boat parades were nice things, though. Those were fun. The boat parades was pretty sweet. I got to give you that. <laughs> uh, I mean, probably, everybody else does parades. Boat parades rule. That was the coolest thing that I've covered. <laughs> I mean, it really was. It was, and I was in a media boat. I was in like a water taxi, and I unfortunately I didn't even have water in the taxi, but much less alcohol. So I might do that a different way. Um, but it was, it was pretty sweet. I mean, yeah. Brady throwing the trophy, the whole, the, the, the whole avocado tequila. Yeah. Thing. Come oh, on. and the lightning boat. Just, I mean, it was just, I, that, oh, just, was that just takes parades to a whole new level for anybody else. I mean, well, granted, and it, not many cities yeah. can do what, what Tampa Bay can do in that regard, but not in February. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm, I don't care if it's the, you know, the lightning and, and 
in July winning it. I mean, or June, right. when the Stanley Cup's normally awarded. I mean, but it's warm. I mean, you know, you can't. I'm saying not many cities always... have the waterways in the you know no. the, what no. we have here, which is which is no. beautiful and why we love it here and live here. Sure, it's never going to look quite like that. Yeah, but no. the, yeah, the you, boat there, parades were sweet. Th- those are nice things. <laughs> they they've taken it to a whole new level, and no one can compete with it. And so, we'd like to have yeah. more. We would. We I would. I'd like to. I'd go down that river again. I really would. That was fun. That was a good day. It was a long day, but it was a fun day. All right. Thanks for your questions. Those were great. Uh, we've got the Lightning, of course, tonight against those Islanders, man. Yeah. Game two. They, they, they're in a must-win situation. Not a must-win. Like you said, it's not an elimination game, but let's be honest, folks. Four out of five with, with three of those coming in New York. I don't see it. So let's see if they can bounce back. They need to do so. Uh, the Rays, uh, where are they at? They open a they're, series. No, they're still in uh, Chicago. They'll continue their series in Chicago. Oh yeah, they got the White Sox. We're That's recording right. this Monday afternoon before the Rays played Chicago tonight. Correct. So by well, the time you the hear this, teams game in the American one League will be done. Yeah, the, the yeah. two best. Yes, the two best records in the American League. Which uh, who saw that coming? Of course, Tony Larusa, seventy-five years old. So yeah, there's a lot going on there. Thanks for joining us for Steve Erstick. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 